Welcome again for the latest Centerization podcast. This is Pat LaRusso. Soon to join me is Lucas Ugenti, where we will quickly discuss the upcoming training camp and who might you know surprise us and make the Maple Leafs opening night roster, as well as the contract status of William Nylander, and as well, and most importantly, how the Leafs are going to improve their defense heading into a very pivotal and important year. Well, welcome, Lucas. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> hello, hello, hello. I'm good, Pat. How I'm all right. I'm all right. So here we are, set to uh, you know discuss you know the Leafs training camp and you know William Nylander's contract status and you know ways that the Maple Leafs can improve their defense. But you can definitely feel a change in the winds, and it's I'm not just talking about the cold air. You can definitely feel that uh, you know hockey season season is right behind us, or right around us. What do you think? Yeah, I, I absolutely cannot wait for that. Hockey season's near and dear. Unfortunately, that so that means school's coming up as well for uh, for all the students that are getting ready to go back to uh, to school. Uh, but still, that means the season's getting closer too. Preseason's coming up, and I can't wait to see ninety one in the white and blue. Yeah, it'll be an interesting time to have uh, you know the brand new addition uh, you know hit the ice with uh, his new teammates and and kind of see how he settles in you know in his new role as you know not only you know, the number one center or one B center, but also his role as a mentor to some of the younger guys that are coming up, like your Matthews and your Nylanders um, and, you know, Mitch Marner and so on. Uh, so, you know what, let's get, let's get cracking. Uh, you know, with the least, you know, training camp around the corner, you know, there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of carryover from the Marlies roster into, you know, training into the Maple Leafs training camp with the likes of Kapanen and uh, as well as, uh, you know, Andreas Johnson and, and Justin Hole and, and Callie Rosen as well. You know, what are your thoughts on some of these Marlies that are, you know, set to graduate or, you know, on the brink of graduating to the big club? I can't wait to see them play. I mean, uh, especially with Kapanen and Janssen there, I think they're going to be unbelievable. Uh, they've showed great strengths on offensive side of the puck last year. And obviously Janssen was named uh, AHL MVP there, playoff MVP there because he had a great stint. And uh, those two are going to be unbelievable. I, I don't know what's going to happen so much on the de- defensive end of the puck. I don't know who's going to really crack the lineup there. But from what I can see now, I'm still comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with the, who the Leafs have. And if the, the Marlies, they need, they need a couple more years to develop, I'm okay with that as well, right? They're, uh, they're still young and there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, you know, if, if I'm looking at surprises, you know, and kind of seeing, you know, where Connor Carrick seemed to have slipped, you know, at least on Mike Babcock's, you know, depth list, you know, it could be like a Justin Hole, you know, maybe squeezing in there. Because he did have a good showing, you know, last season and, and even Callie Rosen, you know, watching, you know, his development, especially in the Calder Cup final, where he was called upon for a lot of heavy, heavy minutes in the playoffs. And, you know, he, he shone on both sides of the puck, defensively and offensively. So those are two that I'm you know, going to be keeping my, you know, my eye on very closely just to kind of see how they progress. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, Timothy Lilligren does, you know, you know, in, 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 in one of his first, uh, you know, camps as well. And, and kind of seeing how he adjusts and, and where he is, you know, in his development as well. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Rosen there, and I think he had a great AHL playoffs, and I think he played well throughout the whole season. Uh, he, there, there's always obviously a possibility of him making the team. It's, uh, I mean, I guess Carrick would be considered their seventh defenseman at the at the moment. 
Is he better than Connor Carrick? Maybe, maybe not. I guess we'll see what, what Babcock really wants to do because you really can't read his mind. You know, he's very unpredictable. Yeah, he, he definitely likes to lean on his veterans whenever possible. Does that mean that that forces, you know, a trade during training camp or heading into the season or, you know, or they, they, they pick up one of these players that's, you know, one of these available defensemen just to kind of round out the bottom, the bottom two or the bottom four defense pairings? You know, who knows? But, uh, you know, Mike Babcock does kind of really ride his, you know, his veterans. And, you know, it was very much, you know, the case last year with Ron Hainsey playing all those those extra minutes. And it seemed to have waned on, on, on Hainsey, especially come playoffs. But, you know, it'll all be interesting to see how things shape up. Yeah, absolutely. But if I'm being honest with you, I'm, I'm completely okay with that, with that system or that, that model that he uses because – with the offensive talent the Maple Leafs have, if they're scoring goals and Frederick Anderson making saves, it, it's still going to be a fun game. And obviously defensive comes, but if, if you have good defensive forwards as well, you know, limits the opportunity inside the defensive end. And I think they'll still be okay with, with or without their veterans or, or, or an addition of a top three defenseman. I, I still trust them. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And, and that kind of leads into, you know, uh, another very important topic because it, it, it continues to be talked about is, you know, where, where are the Leafs going to see their improvements on the defensive side of the puck? Um, you know, and I kind of see that starting with John Tavares and Matthews and, and Kadri. You know, when you, when you win face-offs at the, at, the, at the rate that those three have done, you know, over the course of their careers, um, you know, you have to think that the Leafs will be starting with the puck more often than not. And just that whole idea of team defense and, and, and that whole team defensive concept will definitely be something that, you know, will be interesting to watch, at least for the first couple of months of the season. Um, because you know what, Bozak was great at winning def- at winning faceoffs, but his de- definitely his defensive game needed you know some extra work, and you know there was some deficiency on, on at least the defensive side of the puck, and, and even JVR as well. So it'll be kind of interesting to see you know what Kadri can do on that third line with you know maybe the likes of Johnson and and Kadri and, and Captain Sorry on his wings. Well, we already know Kadri's unbelievable defensively. I mean, it was evident, especially after that one game against Edmonton where he shut down McDavid, and then scored the OT winner there in that unbelievable half break. Um, and, I mean, Matthews is learning. He's, he's going to become a very good defensive player. He's already got the skill offensively. And Tavares, everyone knows his skill both ways. The guy's an all-star. We don't need to talk about him. But I'm going to be honest with you, with, without re-signing Dominic Moore, I was a little iffy about who was going to take that fourth spot. And I, I've been reading a lot on um, uh, Par Lindholm. And I've been, I've been studying him and seeing what, uh, what he's about to bring. And it talks a lot about his patience and how he, as a player, understood that he wasn't ready for the NHL. So he, he actually denied a bunch of offers before the Leafs offered him a contract. And if that says anything, it just proves that he's a patient player and he knows his own skill. And if he's ready to, to put the work in, he could be a great fourth-line center for the Leafs at a very cheap cost. Yeah, no, and, and that's definitely something that, you know, when, when that whole recruiting process started with him, you know, Mike Backhunk was very much hands-on with that, with that recruitment. And, uh, you know, if, you know, for me, from, from a fan's perspective, you know, if a guy like Mike Babcock, you know, can co-sign a player like, like Lynn Holm, then, you know, I, I'm more than supportive and kind of willing to give this, you know, give this uh, young player, you know, an opportunity and, and kind of see what he does. And, and let's be honest, the least t- top three lines are going to be eating up most of the time during, you know, during the season yeah. anyways, yeah. you know, at, at 10 15 minutes, you know, at that, you know, what do the least really have to risk with, you know, with that, with that, uh, with that signing? With n- nothing, nothing. I, I think at the cost it was at, and especially with the wingers that he could possibly be playing with and, and how cheap they are, you're really not losing anything. I mean, the guy had 47 points in 49 games, albeit it was the Swedish elite league or Swedish hockey league. 
Um, it's not the best competition, but that's still points. And again, if he's your fourth line center and, and he's putting up points, but most importantly, playing good defensively, that's absolutely all I can ask for, especially when replacing a guy like Tyler Bozak. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. And then, you know what, to that whole, you know, defensive side of the puck, and it got overwritten and, and people seem to overanalyze that. And, you know, all you have to look at just like the, the, just the, the plain old stats. And, you know, I think the Leafs finished what, five goals more, seven goals more than the, than the Stanley Cup winning Washington Capitals over the yep. course of the season. Yep. You know, it's the, playoff hockey is a little bit different of a beast. And yes, you know, as, as the playoffs arrive in, and things do close up a little bit, you know, maybe the Leafs look at making a deal at the trade deadline. But during the regular season, you know, you, you can win those game, those seven, five games. You know, I, I wouldn't want to see it on a regular basis. I wouldn't want you know, to see Frederick Anson getting, you know, pelted with shots every night. But, you know, with, with the players that are coming in and Mike Babcock's continued, you know, uh, mentoring around the defensive side of the game, I, I, could, I could see those numbers improving. You know, even if the Leafs shave off five to ten goals against, you know, and, and maybe finding a, a more reliable backup goalie where they're not relying on Anderson should be the difference on, you know, where, you know, where, where the Leafs make it come playoff time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. 100%. I think come closer to playoff time and the trade deadline, they can definitely make a move then. But I, I say for right now, we're okay. I mean, it, everyone's okay with the fact that the forwards are young, but no one's okay with the fact that the defensive side of the puck is young. And I understand no one wants to get scored on, but it's going to happen when you're learning. And especially with guys like Riley who are coming into their own. I mean, a Dermot's going to be unbelievable too. And just patience. Patience is, I think, key. And Anderson's going to be steady. There's no reason for him not to be. And if he's if he plays lights out all year like he did last year, it's going to be a very identical season with probably more goals scored. Most definitely, most definitely, and, and even on the on the backup goalie front, I think you know for me when I when I watched Anderson play in the series against Boston, he did at times look like a tired goalie. You know, if if I had yeah. my choice, you know, I would I would heavily rely on on Garrett Sparks to be the new backup. You know, maybe allow Curtis, you know, to make his way down to the Marlies and be a mentor. Um, I just, you know, I, I just think that Anderson needs someone to push him and to, you know, maybe steal, you know, 20 games a year from him just to keep him fresh. Because I think when, when I last looked, I think Rasko only played like 59 or 60 games where Anderson pretty, you know, pretty much, you know, topped that and then some. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, who they select as, as Anderson's backup and, and how much, you know, how many games that backup goalie will end up playing this season because you will need a fresh Anderson heading into, you know, what is a very pivotal playoff series because, you know, another one and done is probably not what the Leafs have planned. No, no, not this year. And, and that's not, it's not a no one's plans or anyone's plan. Sorry. I mean, they can't, they simply cannot make the playoffs and just lose in the first round. Year one, it was a surprise. Year two, it was okay. We expected that now it's with, especially with the addition of 91. And again, I, we can't keep bringing that up, but it is, it is so true and how important he is with the addition of Tavares you have to make a late cup run at least, at least the third round and lose in a, a tight match. I mean, with all the talent and, and Babcock and all the salaries that are being tossed out, you got to do something. And if it's not now, when will it? Exactly. Be? Exactly. And then, you know what, there, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of ingredients in this, in this pot that, uh, you know, should, should begin to reap, uh, you know, some pretty good returns, um, you know, and that kind of leads us to the one player that's still sitting out there without a contract is, you know, William Nylander and, and, and you know, what might be causing the delay and, you know, who's set to blink first. Or, you know, the way I've looked at it and seen in a few reports is I think both player and management know what the number looks like. I think they both know what the term looks like. And it's just 
it's just a matter of when and not even if anymore. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think at this point, they, they both have an agreement somewhere down the line. And, and maybe it's just verbal and just a simple handshake agreement. But there's got to be something done there. Because in numerous reports, I've seen Nylander talk about how he wants to stay in Toronto and he wants to be part of the organization. And a player doesn't just say that and, and not want and not mean it, right? Especially he knows who they've signed and what the Leafs have done to make this organization a cup contending team. The issue is with $11 million cap hit on John Tavares and the inevitable re-signing of Marner and Matthews, is Nylander going to get $6 million per year? And I think that's kind of where he's headed towards unless he takes a hometown discount. Because, I mean, he's got guys like Ehlers and Pasternak and Forsberg who are all getting six per, and they're all within the same, same stat line, right? Yes. You're looking at 25 to 30, 60 points at least. Pasternak obviously had a great year last year, but... At, at six mil per, I mean, can the Leafs afford him? You know, I think I, I think at six mil, it's it's probably a bargain, especially if we go long term, because there's there's going to be the, the the inevitable having to pay at least one year free agency, and I think that's what the Leafs are going to end up having to do with with all three of their, you know, with the Marners, the Matthews, and the Nylanders, buy that extra year of free agency and hope that the cap rises yep. by the end of it, where it does offer them the flexibility and try and keep the four together. And as Kyle Dubas has said on numerous occasions. You know, the, one of the major selling features to bring, you know, 91 and John Tavares into Toronto was the fact that the Leafs were going to keep that core of Matthews Marner and Nylander. So, you yeah. know, it's, it, the, the money can be found, even if it means, you know, maybe dumping some further salary. You know, does it potentially mean maybe trading a Connor Brown and freeing up a couple extra mil? You know, you always invest in, in your high-end talent and then you kind of, play around with the bottom two lines. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what that, what that looks like. And, you know, Johnson's coming in on, on his entry-level contract as well. He'll be, you know, a, a UFA or RFA next year as well. So he'll be doing at least another couple mil. Um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to kind of seeing where, you know, where this, that, where this goes. But if we do take like a Pasternak or even like an Ellers as a benchmark, you know, Nylander probably falls at that 6.25 or 6.5 at the very most would be my, where I see the number ending up. Which which I would be completely okay with. I mean, I, I am I'm a big fan of Willie Nylander. I think him and Matthews work very well together. Do I think Matthews could work just as well with anybody? Of course, but I think the connection they have over the last two seasons, going into the third season together, is just uncanny. And I mean, if you're going to try and keep the core together, you might as well pay the core and and keep all four of them happy. But this comes at the cost of a, a weaker third and fourth line. I mean, yeah, Kadri has a great contract now, but in in two years when it's up, I believe. Can they re-sign Kadri? I, I don't know if he's going to want to take another deal at that low of a cost, especially seeing that guys are getting six and a half per at over 60 points, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a mess right now, but I'm sure Dubas can figure it out. And as Leaf fans and Leaf Nation, we just got to be prepared, be patient, yeah, right? And not only be patient, but prepared to, you know, maybe see some hard decisions down the road if it means keeping their oh, core yeah, together absolutely. and seeing guys that, you know, it, it could mean maybe a Zach Hyman, maybe a Connor Brown, you know, maybe a Caspery Kapanen down the road, you yeah. know, to be, you know, maybe move just to free up that little bit of extra flexibility when it comes to the salary cap. And two, you know, if Seattle, you know, gets their team, you know, does this, how much more does the salary cap go up with an expansion team? You know, we saw the cap go up a little bit with Vegas coming into the league. 
you know, there's there's a and not only that, but if Seattle does come in the league, that, that means there's another expansion draft in the horizon, plus right? a potential right? NHL yeah, strike. So many chances. So there's oh yeah. So there's a lot, a lot of juggling that you know both team and, and agent slash player are probably you know discussing, but I don't see it being a major concern. You know, the media and even some fans make it out to be. No, no, I I don't think it's a concern at all. I think it's just whenever Nylander decides to put ink to paper and if, if Dubis decides to do it before the season, great. If he decides to do it during the season, even better. Because to me, it does not matter. They're going to all get re-signed. And again, even if they don't, even if, even if Nylander does end up getting traded, I won't be that upset. I mean, you're going to get a good value back. At the end of the day, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, they're, they are the guys Unfortunately, it falls under the fact that Nylander may be the fourth guy out. But again, either way, no matter how it goes, I'm comfortable with it. And I'm sure most of Leaf Nation is. As well. Yeah. And you know what? That, that September 13th date has been floated around as, you know, when, you know, when they expect at least some sort of decision to be made. You know, th- that might mean that Nylander misses maybe a day or two of camp. But I can't imagine the Leafs or Nylander wanting this to carry into the season and become, a dis- you know, even more of a distraction. So, you know, and he'll definitely need to squeeze him in, you know, where possible. Um, but you know what? It, it almost worked in the least favor that Pashnak signed the contract that he did and, and Ellers signed the contract that he did. It kind of yes, right. really helped to structure, you know, the negotiations with Nylander. And, you know, if if we take Dubas on his word and, and it was promised to Tavares that all three of the young kids stay, then you know what? A deal definitely needs to be get done. And maybe the Marners and the Matthews take a pay cut so they can keep a Nylander. And maybe, you know, Matthews doesn't go shoot for the skies and go for a full, you know, 12 mil. Maybe he takes a little bit of a cut and aligns his contract similar to a Tavares. And, you know, the hope is that maybe Marner will take like a 7 to 8 mil to kind of keep that core together. So it's interesting to see, you know, I think with Tavares signing, you know, a relatively cap-friendly, organizational-friendly contract, you know, does set the benchmark for others, you know, that are looking for their contract as well as how much do they want to win and how much do they want to win in Toronto. And do it together. So, you know, does it mean that they, yeah, that they might right. leave some money on the table like Tavares did? You know, do they follow his example because, you know, they all see that there's something worthwhile here? Then, you know, that could be something. You know, how much does that play into it, into the discussions as well? Well, that, that definitely plays huge, huge. The fact that there's a possibility of winning. I mean, they have a great team. No one's going to say it's a, it's a guarantee, but the more pieces that fall into the puzzle, the better, right? And I mean, if everyone's working together as a team and the organization's flying, there's nothing that's going to stop this team. And if if you're right, the way Tavares took that little bit of pay cut, or I shouldn't say pay cut, just left money on the table, there's no reason why a guy like Marner or or Matthews wouldn't do it either, especially if they can take maybe a couple less years and, and we're really focused on winning now, right? Yes. Money's always going to be there. If you're an elite player, you're going to stay an elite player, barring any crazy injury, I mean, those guys are always going to make money. They're always going to put up points. I, I can't see them them being too greedy at this point. In the no, career. no, no. And, and you know what? The, the NHL is, you know, is going to have to maybe, you know, adjust, you know, the cap as it goes along. And, you know, maybe with expanding into Seattle, you know, maybe taking into account, you know, potentially some, some newer in the States or just something. But they need to allow, you know, I, my hope is that not just from a lease perspective, but just as an overall league perspective, is that there needs to be a little bit more flexibility. I, I was never a big proponent of the cap. I, I, think, I, I think it's stupid. Um, you know, I, I, I'm big on, you know, if, if you're successful and, and, you, and you've drafted well and, and you've groomed these players well and, and you have a winning system, 
you know, to all of a sudden just penalize a team like, like what was seen with Chicago and the Detroits and a few others. You know, for me, I, I never I never quite agreed with it. You know, even when the Leafs could have thrown money at their problems, it never resolved anything anyways. It never won anything, you know, and it's kind of funny that in this new system where they are capped at what they can spend is now when they've actually turned their entire organization around. Right, right. No, you're right. I, that is kind of ironic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's it, and, you know, it is a reflection of management and that's something that, uh, you know, helps sell, you know, Tavares here maybe will help sell, you know, keeping the other three here and, and who knows what other, you know, opportunities there are to, you know, bring in some other top talent because now Toronto is a market that teams want to come to and, you know, the series definitely shaping up to be something really exciting and something that, you know, we probably haven't seen maybe since 93 with the Gilmores and the Andertrucks. Oh, it's, it's something I've never seen for sure. I, I can, I can guarantee you that I've, I've definitely never seen such buzz around a, an organization, especially in the city of Toronto. I mean, everyone's always, obviously always loved the Maple Leafs, but it's, it's been some troubling times. And I mean, as, as much as we all love the Leafs when, when you're losing, it's not fun. And now it's just a complete different culture change. And it's, it's fun. It's fun to be a part of. It's fun to be just a fan, obviously. Like, just from our perspective, it's it can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Exactly. So you know what? It's been another great podcast, Lucas. We'll definitely be doing it again. And for everyone else that's listening, you know, look out for Lucas and and, and ours. Uh, you know, brand new blogs going to be posted on a regular basis. You know, throughout the season, and uh, we still owe a couple of you a roundtable discussion. So Lucas and I will be drawing two names uh, from last month's contest and having two special guests join us on the podcast. So thanks again, Lucas, for for joining me again. No worries. Always a good time. Thanks very much, Lucas. Take care. Take care, Pat. Take care.